Hey, Dragoons. Hey, before I introduce what this uh, podcast is going to be about this week, I do want to do one shout out to 211th ACR uh, with Sar Major Penna. Uh, he just actually wrote me an email the other day saying that they are avid listeners across his unit. And because of this podcast, they're inspired to start their own. I encourage them to do that. And I've told them that I will definitely provide them some advice and some tips uh, because I think they're great initiatives and we need to do a better job of capturing leadership lessons, lessons learned and experiences and everything else from the formation that currently stands in the Army. So anyway, 211th ACR, big shout out to you guys. And I hope you guys start your podcast as well. I will be a regular listener if you do. Okay, raising awareness, that's that's great, but you as an individual, what are you actually doing? We need to continue to have this conversation because there's still a whole lot of folks that aren't picking it up. If someone's talking to you, take that one moment and look away from your computer or your phone or whatever you're looking at. I cannot think of a more complex problem than trying to talk to somebody and help somebody that has made a decision that their life is not worth living. This month is National Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. The Army Chaplain Corps has partnered with the Reach One program, which is the goal is not only to raise awareness, but to also create a culture which ensures we care and we communicate with one another. Our goal in this podcast is to talk about this and how it's a community issue, and we need to work together to solve it. Now, I understand that, you know, as you're listening to this podcast, you're like, oh man, it's gonna it's gonna get pretty dark, it's gonna get pretty real. And I will tell you that it will. But we're also gonna talk about leadership. We're gonna talk about what it means to be person that's in uniform and how you can impact and care for one another, but also how just by wearing this uniform alone, you are special and you have set yourself apart from the rest of the world in this endeavor. But before we dive in, I want to go around and I want everybody to introduce themselves. I again am Command Sergeant Major Michael Burke, the 33rd Sergeant Major, 2nd Cavalry Regiment. Chaplain Mike Vidoris, 2CR Regimental Chaplain. Good to have you on the podcast, sir. Good to be here. I'm super excited. Okay, go ahead. Uh, Hello, everybody. My name is uh, Sergeant Dolphinay. I am the 2nd Cavalry Regiment Religious Affairs NCO. Well, I'm super excited to have both of you guys in the podcast. And uh, as a lot of probably people know across 2CR, this is a subject that is very near and dear to my heart. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think, quite frankly, we can talk about it enough, but it's not just about talk. There's other things we need to do as well to truly, truly kind of uh, get after this problem that is, that is quite frankly, plaguing our Army. Sir, if you would, talk about the REACH-1 program. Sure, Sir Major. Just, just recently, the Army Chaplain Corps, which we have for for decades owned much of the, the suicide prevention training mm-hmm. over the, over the last uh, several years, particularly on the, the onset of the war that we've experienced over the last uh, 20 years. But uh, even recently, our chief of chaplains, Major General Chaplain Soljum, has wanted to do some additional efforts and to, to, to focus and, and simplify the message. And I, and I really think it's uh, genius because the message that uh, we are preaching the chaplains love to preach, simply reach one. Each one of us, every single member of our formations and even our, our families and our, and our veteran, veterans were to take the intentional time to look around uh-huh. and to reach one life. The, the reality is every single one of us got stuff. We have, we have we have a past we've experienced and, and some of that predates our service in the army. Right. 
So the, the question is, what do we do about that? Yep. I think this this message of simply just out reaching reaching one connects and, and allows everybody to participate and to become more aware of this this problem set that, that we've been working through for literally generations. Absolutely, sir. And uh, the thing I like about Reach One, you know, there's a lot of different kind of initiatives and things that people are trying to do. And uh, you know, I'm not talking uh, disparagingly about any one of those. Um, however. It's what are we trying to accomplish? What are we? Tr- what's a problem we're trying to solve? And the argument that I have is, is hey, okay, raising awareness, that's, that's great. But you as an individual, what are you actually doing? Recording a video where you're doing push-ups or handing a pen out or a keychain out. And I'm not trying to talk badly about those people. But hey, what if you called somebody instead of recording that video? Maybe somebody you haven't talked to in a long, long time. And I think that's kind of what the Reach One program is kind of talking about. Call somebody instead and reach out to them and have a conversation saying, hey, how are you doing, man? And genuinely mean it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look somebody in the eye, put your phone away where you can't even see it. Yes, active listening. Take the earbuds out of your ears. Yeah. And be fully engaged. Yeah. That's what I appreciate about this whole idea. Just the reach one. It's an all in type of experience. When you talk about suicide specifically, I cannot think of a more complex problem than trying to talk to somebody and help somebody that has made a decision that their life is not worth living, that they want to take their life. That's probably the most difficult thing that you could ask to be solved. Then on the reverse side of that, How do you get somebody to tell you that? Just like you were talking about, sir, you're not going to be able to do that, as Sergeant Major Abernathy says, an authentic conversation where they feel close enough to you that they feel they can indulge something like that. They're not just going to randomly say that. If there's no trust and there's no respect, it's never going to happen. Unless maybe you're in a position of counsel, you know, like behavioral health specialist or a chaplain or even a chaplain's assistant. So I know you have something you want to add. It's one of the best programs I think the Army's ever had. So please. Recently, Sergeant Major, I went through uh, assist training. Okay. Uh, we had over 20 soldiers that attended last week. I really like this training. It's just, it's assist applied suicide intervention skills training. We learned a lot throughout that week. It's an entire week long, uh, Monday through Friday, 8.30 to sometimes 8 p.m. <laughs> yeah, right. Very long days, but it's worth it because yeah. we learn a lot in our groups that we separate into. We see how other people uh, would approach different uh, situations. Right. For this, I've learned other ways that I can ask someone something. Okay. So I've been in the military almost six years now, and I've dealt with several situations, but going through this really helped me. Uh, And there's this reference tool that we were given. It's called PAL. Okay. Pathway for Assisting Life. I really like this model. So if you're ever put in a situation, if you have this reference tool, it'd be really helpful to that soldier. It doesn't matter what rank, whoever you are. Having this reference tool will help guide you through that conversation with that someone that is having suicidal thoughts. So if you do have this in front of you, or even if you do remember it, it would really help guide you through that conversation. Uh, Because when you're put in that situation, you may freeze or just not know what to do. Well, you know, just like we talked about, it's a difficult conversation. It's an uncomfortable conversation. Uh, for people to have. Every situation is different as well. So that is true. That. that is true. But this is a, a wonderful model. Uh, so for those that don't know what it is, I recommend looking it up. Uh, you can go on livingworks.net and uh, they have helpful information on there. Um, and just look up that, that reference tool. 
When are we looking at doing the next set of assist training? Do you know, sir? We're looking at late September. That was October, November. For yeah, sure. you know, I did. I just want to put that out. So, the, so you actually went through the training last week, or you were one of the facilitators? Uh, so I went through the training. Uh, okay. I did help out uh, with setting everything up, uh, as well as um, another fifty-six mic. I believe about Wednesday, somebody came in and talked uh, during the assist training and dropped an absolute bomb on the class. <laughs> what was your reaction to that? I didn't expect that, okay. um, especially coming from someone of higher rank. It kind of moved me, and I'm not the only one that's been through certain things. And right. like I, I felt like I could connect with you a little bit better oh, great. and understand. <laughs> you just gave away the surprise. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> no, no, no. Keep on going, please. Yeah, I felt moved you a little bit, willing to share that story. Right. Um, and not everybody's willing to share their story because they just, they just don't want to re- relive it. Yeah. They just want to talk about it. You look at somebody like me, okay? And I, I, I mean this because I'm trying to highlight a purpose here, okay? I'm not trying to do this because I think I'm anything special. I'm not. A regimental SAR major, 22 years in the Army, what I would consider a, a, a good career. I've had a very, very successful career. You know, 16 years in special operations. Um, you know, I've been through a lot of different things in the Army that, you know, people covet. 14 combat deployments uh, with, you know, very elite organizations doing a lot of different things. Bachelor's degree, master's degree. I've done pretty well. Okay. You wouldn't think that I've went through my darkest times in and out of the Army, uh, one of which was within the last six years. To kind of cue the listeners in, here's what I did. And I wanted to highlight two things. One, you don't know the demons somebody has battled in their own life and in their own mind. You don't know what they're dealing with. I mean, you've got to find a way to break down that wall so that you can find out, so that you can see if they need help. And one of the best ways I've ever found out in life is through just ugly, uh, complete transparency. So, you know, I opened up, you know, and I talked about the, you know, I talked to the assist class and I talked about, you know, the importance of it and, you know, how I was a big believer in it and that this is a problem that we needed to work together. And then just on a dime switched. And then I told the entire group when I was 12 years old, I tried to kill myself. And uh, that's, that's tough for two different reasons. One, because it's a very real thing. Um, and it's something that I had to deal with. But I will tell you, I was a very broken young man. Uh, I went through a lot of things in my life and I was very insecure in who I was. And I just didn't feel that life was worth living. And the second reason is that this is now going to exist on a podcast forever. And that's tough uh, because people will take that the wrong way. But here's the truth and pardon me, chaplain, but I just don't give a shit. If you want to judge me, Come fight me. And if you ain't willing to come fight me, then shut up. I don't care. We've got to break down this stigma. It's not okay. People go through shit in their life. And people just need to be understanding it and they need to be caring. But here's the real thing is that wasn't the only time. When I was 16, I again had an ideation attempt, whatever you want to call it. There's different classifications for it, but I did. And it was actually my brother that saved my life. He doesn't know it. He'll know it now when he listens to this podcast. He still don't know, you know, and he just being Gary. And I love my brother. He's just an amazing human being. It's like he watched everything that I did wrong in life and he did it better. He's just a good dude. I love him for it. He just walked in my room one day, you know, and he's like, I love you. I love you, Mike. And I was like, I love you too, Gary. And uh, but what he didn't know is there's a shotgun under the bed. Loaded. 
at everything at my disposal to execute. And I planned on executing it, you know? And then when I was a first Harden and Charlie company, I went through one of the darkest times of my life because I lost an absolute mentor to me. Somebody that I looked up my entire life. Talked about him a couple of times on this podcast, uh, Master Sergeant Josh Wheeler. And, uh, you know, a collection of a lot, a lot of other things that I was actually going through. And I was a, I was Charlie company 275's first Harden. It's just a timeless position. You hold that position. It's just a coveted position. But anyway, but I was going through a lot of shit at that time. And then I lost Josh. And uh, that was that was tough. I did not have an attempt that time. But I absolutely did have an ideation. And I had to seek help. And I had to get help. Now, those are three things, you know, that has happened to Mike Burke, okay, in his lifetime, before the Army and after the Army. And here I sit. And uh, every day is not the best day. Not every day is a great day. But it's a new day. You know, and you just keep on putting, you know, one foot in front of the other. And when you need to lean on somebody, you lean on somebody and you ask for help. You don't drive your car endlessly without taking it in for maintenance. If you do, it will explode. Well, maybe not literally, but you get the point. Humans go through things. They put a lot of miles on the road. They need to do the same thing. I say it now and I say it here on this podcast. Anybody in 2CR that's listening, anybody in the Army and out of the Army, it's okay to get help because I care about you. And if anybody ever tries to come at you because you're trying to seek help, find me. And there is not a rock I will not overturn. And there's not a thing I won't do to make sure that it does not impact your life and it does not impact your career. Because guess what? It's more important that you continue to live your life than anything else. The rest of it can be damned. Sorry, getting chaplain. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. So I've completely just taken over the podcast and talked for about five minutes. And uh, I apologize for that, but I definitely struggled coming into this one. And uh, my wife gave me a big hug before I, I left because she knew what I was going to come in here and talk about. And uh, we talk about this so much. And uh, she knew that it was difficult, but she also knows because she just knows me that I was struggling with what I wanted to talk about. And I've, I've talked about this, but it's different when I talk to somebody about it. Uh, it's different that even if I record a video that's in a closed circuit um, and, you know, all everybody in 2CR gets to watch it, it stayed there and it stayed in their minds and they could talk about it. But this podcast, which we will turn very quickly, I can never, ever pull this back now, ever. I can't. It's there. People need help. And, uh, if that means that people want to chastise me and drag my name through the mud, okay. As long as I save one life by just sharing my story. All so, right. Sorry, Major. <laughs> so you said that your brother's the one that helped you through it. Yeah. Right? So I think finding that person that helps you get through that situation is very important. And mm -hmm. no matter what level you're at, making sure that your soldier or someone else that you work with, that they have that somebody. They have somebody to go to. Uh, so checking in on them asking them, do you talk to your mom or your brother or mm -hmm. finding who that person is, you'll be a little bit more comfortable or at ease knowing that they have somebody that they can talk to. Yeah. Uh, especially for those single soldiers out there. Sometimes they just feel alone, even though yeah. they know they have a battle buddy or um, a leader that's right there for them. Yeah. But checking in to make sure that they have that somebody to go to, I think would really help future situations. You know, if you're having suicidal thoughts or anything like that, at least they know they can go to somebody. I completely agree. Maybe you'll just be that somebody. Mm -hmm. You know, the RCO says that, you know, you know, the world doesn't revolve around you, but to somebody, you can be their world. 
And uh, maybe they don't have that person. They come into the army and they don't have that family. They don't have that brother, that sister, the mother, you know, whoever. You can be that person, though, you know, that they can confide in. And I think that if more leaders, even specialists and above, mm-hmm. are trained and assist, they can be that person. They I can agree. be that caregiver yeah. towards that, that soldier, whoever it is. That is part of the solution we're trying to provide. Because what we're asking is, is that soldiers are engaged and they're involved in each other's lives. Um, and as senior leaders, we need to provide the resources in the education and the assist is part of that, that we provide that these people that I don't want to say experts, but it's, it's a long five days. Like you talked about, you know, you, you really get into the mud about some stuff and uh, they, and then they go out of that knowing how to handle those situations. uh, But also they walk away knowing the resources that are available to people. Very, very much along those lines, I think even, even more important in the skills is creating the right environment. Uh-huh. And it goes right along with what you just shared, that you set conditions, uh-huh. I think, for our entire organization by sharing just what you shared from a place of extreme vulnerability. Yeah. And now everybody, well, if he can do it, maybe I can do that as well. Yeah. I could raise my hand and say, you know what? I really need to talk to somebody, not fear that there could be some type of retribution. Retribution. Exactly. Because we, over the last 20 years, in all of the suicide prevention training that we have provided, that there still is not a stigma out there. But as you and I have just talking a little bit before the show started, that's just not true. The yeah. stigma still exists. And so we need to continue to have this conversation because there's still a whole lot of folks that aren't picking it up. We do. We just continuously have to have this conversation until it's just not an issue. And it's not just about the stigma side of it or the, you know, the reporting side of it or suicidal ideations or attempts. These are human lives. This man or this woman raised their right hand and swore an oath. And you stand in the uniform. And because of that, you are my brother and my sister. I don't know you, but I do know that I care because you wear the same uniform that I do. You have United States Army or Air Force, Navy, Marines, Coast Guard. Yep, even the Coast Guard, Space Force, even Space Force. Maybe we'll get some Space Force listeners. Um, I care about you because you are doing something bigger than yourself. You are part of something bigger than yourself. So therefore, because of all that, we cannot stand to lose one. Not one. I think you're getting right at just kind of one of our key priorities over the last several years is that idea of engaged leadership. Yeah. And this is kind of the putting flesh on exactly what that is. It means sitting down, lingering a bit with your soldiers. Yeah. Creating relationships of trust built over time listening back and forth to one another, being vulnerable as you just did, is a great starting place in order to create that level of trust. Does it happen overnight? Most of the time, no. Is it a lot of work? Absolutely. Is it worth it? No doubt. You just constantly got to have these kind of engaged conversations and these active listening conversations. But what if you, what if we just Every day we committed to reach one person and it could be as simple as shooting a little text out to somebody. Hey, you, yeah. just, you were just on my mind. You popped up. You're on my mind. I hope you're well. Yeah. No, I, I mean, I think we just need to do more of that. I mean, you know, and it's not just leaders either. It's every single soldier. If we go to combat and we have to close with and destroy the enemy, we only have each other to count on. So we don't want to just wait 
until combat to establish those relationships, that trust, that respect. We need to constantly be doing it and constantly be making gains on it to our left and our right and our up and our down and everything else. And essentially training yeah. our Army core values. Yeah. Just as a regimental focus within the two CR UMTs, we're, we're focusing on Army core value every single month. And, and this month we're focusing specifically on selfless service because of that this is the suicide prevention month. Selfless service of thinking of somebody else, putting somebody else's needs ahead of your own. So putting aside your agenda, whatever it is that you have on your to-do list, someone comes up to you and you're like, well, I'll get to you in a second. But no stopping, looking at them fully giving them your attention and presence and helping them process whatever it is that they have going on. That, that one little act, which oftentimes we kind of like, oh, it's no big deal. That could make somebody's day. And as we do that on a, I think on a, on a, on a regular basis, it not only lifts the other person, but also lifts ourselves. Absolutely. I agree with you, sir. Um, so a lot of times it's really hard for people to just step back. Like you were saying, like, um, I know I have a hard time getting out of the office or stepping back. Like mm -hmm. I know when someone comes in, comes in and talk to me, I'm in the middle of doing something. You just need to stop, get out of your chair, you know, get into another chair and give that soldier, whoever it is, your all. Doesn't matter what they're going to talk to you about or if it's just a casual, casual conversation, you need to show them that you care and whatever they want to talk to you about, show them that you're listening. Yeah. You know, have your body, body posture, facial expressions, all that's very important. You need to face them. Yeah. Eye contact. And yeah, she's facing me. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> eye contact. Okay. And just honestly, eye contact is very big for me. Body posture, it, it doesn't really matter as long as you're facing me. I can tell that you're engaged and you're, you want to listen to what I'm talking about. Instead of if you're on your computer and yeah, I'm listening, you can still talk. Yeah, or your phone. Or yeah. on your phone. Yep. No, you may be listening in one ear out the other, but you're not giving that person your all. You're not fully engage with them. So I encourage everybody, if someone's talking to you, take that one moment and look away from your computer or your phone or whatever you're looking at. Look at that soldier, look at them in the eye and talk to them, you know, face yeah. towards them because those little things matter. No, they do. I've said it a couple of times on podcasts, you know, but you, you've heard commanders and, you know, even SAR majors or, you know, first sergeants or any NCO, you know, they'll say, my door is always open. Most of the doors are open. But what about the human being on the other side of the door? Are you open? Are you ready to receive them and give them, as you're talking about, your undivided attention? And it does. It happens to me all the time, too. People just walk into my office. Hey, Sergeant Major, you got a minute. If I am doing something like I'm on an email or maybe even a phone call, I'll tell them to sit down. I'll offer them something to drink. So I, I purposely got a fridge so I could have a bunch of drinks in there so that the first conversation, you know, the first thing I say to them is, is, hey, what do you want to drink? Do you want a Coke? Do you want a Gatorade? Do you want a Diet Coke? Do you want a cup of coffee? And then sit them down. And it's exactly what you're saying away from my computer, sitting down, facing them, they enjoy their tasty beverage, and have a conversation. That moment, that time, is the most important thing in their entire lives right now. It is so, so important to them, and uh, they just need you. But no, I think that was a, that was a really, really good point. Uh, so, Sergeant Major, uh, kind of, so another tool that I learned in ASSIST, you can't always solve their problem. Mm. A lot of leaders, mm -hmm. you know, we try to solve their problem. Yeah. But at the end of the day, maybe they just want you to listen. They don't want you to solve or fix anything. Yeah. You just need to listen. Yeah, so if you're unsure of what they want, just ask them, do you want me to just listen? Or would you like me to maybe help you with your problem? And they'll they'll tell you. Sometimes, you know, they'll tell you right up front before even going into the conversation. But I constantly mess this up with my wife. 
She just wants me to listen most of the time, and I'm just trying to solve problems. In my defense, you know, she's usually asking me at like, you know, 1800 when I'm coming home or 1900 when I'm coming home. Man, I'm in, I'm in work mode. You hit me with something, boom, I'm going I'm to solve it. All right, next. Yeah, what's next? You know, and it's like, no, sometimes I just need to shut up and listen. And sometimes that's a question you can actually ask as you're depending on the relationship. Yeah. Do you want... Are, are you looking for me to yes. help you? Yes. Or are you just wanting to just vent? Yeah, yeah. I mean, just to, to listen. And and most of the time, they'll, they'll be very clear. And so you could have wasted a whole bunch of time like solving their problems. Like, that's not even what I came to you for. Yeah. What my wife does is she goes, I don't need Sergeant Major Burke. I need Mike. And I'm like, <laughs> got it. All right. Mike's listening. <laughs> Sir, I think this is, you know, definitely something um, that you could you could talk about as well. You know, what about spouses? Yes, it is hard being an American soldier. It just absolutely is. Okay. Sometimes the conversation that's just not had enough is families. Who can they turn to? What are some of the resources that they have, sir? There are a number of resources. Certainly, they have access to their unit chaplains. Yep. Which each one of our, our squadron chaplains are are, are trained and and uh, are very comfortable in in multiple different counseling uh, methodologies. They have access to our MFLAX located here at Two CR. And what's an MFLAX? Marriage and Family Life Counselor. In addition, the spouses have a number of opportunities to be able to connect with their community and just various organizations. And Protestant Women of the Chapel has, has traditionally been a, a very strong support network for our spouses. Similarly, Catholic Women of the Chapel, what I hear from the spouses is that they really miss being together. Various spouses uh, clubs that are available here in, in our area. I, I know been here a little over three years and uh, just volunteering, whether it be in the, in, in the schools or USO or the Bavarian Spouses Club, I know is, is very active. The antidote to just some of the depression and anxiety that we're sometimes experiencing is that idea of selfless service, putting others' needs in, in front of your own and going out and, and engaging and helping others. Others. That's a, a great point. But we need to be not just doing it with soldiers. We need to be doing it for families and spouses um, as well. My wife and I have, have moved multiple times, I don't know, like 13, 14 times. And we decided very early on our marriage, it really comes down to us, Yeah. that, that we have to own just our own social connectedness. And yeah. so when we move somewhere, our neighbors are next to our neighbors are now our new best friends. Yeah. And just jump in and you're in it until you leave. Yeah. And then you start all over again. <laughs> if you continue to, to work towards it, you'll find the, the, the right person, the right relationship that will be able to, 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 to bolster you and you'll be able to bolster and encourage one another. The thing I liked about what you just said, you guys decided to own that. You know, and I'm a, I'm a segue that into, you know, the Sergeant Major of the Army, uh, Grinston, you know, he his new initiative is this is my squad, Tim's. And uh, really, when you tie that kind of down, it's about ownership. A lot of people think that it only applies to squad leaders. And that's not true. It's for every single person in the entire Army. Everybody has a squad. The point being is, is that you just need to take kind of ownership of this. Pair that with the reach one. You are going to actively try to bring these people in, increase your sphere of influence, and have these real kind of conversations, but more importantly, connect. Connect on a real level so that you know what's going on in these people's lives. Not just the soldiers, but you know the spouses or maybe the children and everything else. It'll help with a lot of different things. The idea behind this podcast is suicide awareness, but it, it encompasses so many things. We're all family. Here on Rose Barracks, here in Vilsack, here at 2CR, we're a big family. 
We need each other. We count on each other. Guess what? We don't always like each other, just like real family. And that's okay. That's, that's okay. That's okay. Uh, we don't always get along, but uh, we are a family. And uh, But what we need people doing is is everybody kind of taking ownership of this and treating it as if it's your squad and, and extending out kind of those fear influences. We are committed to one another. We are committed to one another. Regardless. Absolutely. And you kind of demonstrating some of the things that you, you, you've said today. Um bringing up some your your own past uh, and starting Delphine kind of talking about words like loneliness, mm -hmm. um, compassion, uh, empathy. These are not normal words that we talk about much within our, our formations. But when you start talking with that language, that connects with people in a much deeper level. And it does feel more like a family. And I, and I think that's how we ultimately make progress on on this problem of, of suicide is that we're able to come up on the net and say, you know what, I'm just having a lousy day today. Yeah, right. I just feel I just feel lonely and I, I don't really even know why you, you say that in a group of people. And they, some, some may kind of go, well, that's kind of weird. You said that. But I guarantee you there'll be somebody else that says, you know what, I can relate to that. Mm -hmm. I felt some of that, too, lately. Yeah. And. Thus, we, we move the organization closer together. So, sir, uh, you talked about loneliness. Um, I'm glad you brought that up because right now in the times of COVID, um, all the soldiers are either um, stuck in their rooms or stuck in their houses and they may, may feel alone. Um, and I think this is the perfect opportunity for leaders during their leader checks to actually take that time to connect socially distancing six feet apart, you know, knocking on that soldier's door. Do not leave until you've talked to that soldier, you know, yeah. unless they're not there, but talk to them, ask them how they're doing and just, just take like five minutes to talk to that person. Yeah. You may be talking to a bunch of people that day, but overall it's worth it because like we were saying earlier, that one conversation could really change everything that's going on in their life. You could have made their day just by that one conversation. So I just really encourage leaders out there that are going through these um, leader checks, or even if you're just walking through the barracks, please check on those soldiers and honestly have a genuine conversation with them, ask them how they're doing. Give them that op opportunity to open up to you. And that's how you grow and you bond and you grow as a family. You know? Yeah. So something I want to talk about right there um, that I think you just, you did an excellent job of kind of highlighting. So as a leader, there's an expectation. You need to demonstrate to them what right looks like. And that's what right looks like. A lot of leaders are like, awesome, vacation. No, 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 no. If you're a leader... You should be working harder than you normally work right now, doing exactly what you're talking about. This is your squad. So you need to take ownership of it and you need to get out there. You need to see what's going on and you need to have the conversation. You can do it um, and you need to be doing it. It's two things. First, that's what leaders do when they care. And two, you are also setting the standard for them so that when they become leaders, they do the same thing because they are emulating you. And they will, they will think that that's what right looks like, and then they will emulate that when they are leaders. I think we can all agree everybody just needs to care more and be understanding. We don't have to agree. We just need to listen, and we need to create friendships, and we just need to care for one another. The other big piece that we have alluded to kind of earlier, people want hope that yeah, yeah, things yeah. will be different. Yep. 
and oftentimes we are the dispensers of that hope as as as, as leaders sir. of yeah. being able to to demonstrate a kind of non-anxious presence to simply sit across for them to listen and certainly as as a faith leader you know that that's that's our our bread and butter of being able to to, to regularly dispense hope this is not it there is something more for us all. And research has continued to, to, to show, but the leading protective factor in suicide prevention is a, a regular practice of, of faith, whatever faith that may be. Yeah. Those that are, are, are regularly uh, attending some type of a, a religious service are generally healthier, happier, more contented individuals. I agree, sir. I think uh, everybody could use a little hope in the world. So, um, one thing I want to I want to just kind of address, and I think I'll just take this one just directly head on. Um, you know, because I've heard leaders, you know, talk about this is is that you know soldiers or different individuals will use suicide as a as a you know saying that they have a suicidal attempt or they have a suicidal ideation and in a way to avoid duty or to avoid misconduct or anything else. And uh, here's what I will tell leaders and I will tell other individuals listening to the podcast. It doesn't matter. I personally can't fathom somebody doing that and why they would do that um, because it's not a joking matter. But uh, here's what I will tell you is the stance as a leader is you have to treat every single one as if it's life-threatening, um, if it's the most serious situation because you just never know. If you get complacent or you create that bias, um, you're going to be wrong and it's going to result in somebody dying. But that Sergeant Major, is a lot of leaders don't take that soldier or that person serious yeah. when they really should. I yeah. mean, especially there are times where that person is saying key words or doing key things that relate to, you know, I'm suicidal, but the, the leader's just pushing it off. Oh, they're just joking. They're playing around. No, you need to take it serious. If, if they're saying this, no matter if it's just one-on-one or in a group, pull them to the side and ask them. A lot of times, like when we went through this assist training one of the hardest parts was asking, are you suicidal? Yeah. You know, a lot of people have never said that before. I have never, that question alone could be really hard to ask, but you need to ask that question. No, I I agree. And sometimes the best approach is just handling it directly. We have to take everything, every single one seriously. Um, we don't get to decide if it's serious or not serious or if it's real or not real. We just, we're not trained professionals. We're not. Um, so we need to let the people that are the professionals uh, sort through that stuff. And that's their job. And that's why the Army hired them. But we as leaders, um, we need to take everyone as if it's a, the most serious thing that we'll ever have to deal with, especially in that moment. I really appreciate you two coming on. You know, I, when it comes to, to suicide and suicide prevention, the, we, we need to have just an accountability partner that that is reaching out on the outside and regularly checking in with us. We owe that. Every single one of us needs to, to make sure, I think, in September is a great, great time to kind of relook that. Do we have somebody that is doing that for us to, to check in with our own needs? I agree with you on that, sir. Uh, Self-care is really important. So just make sure you're taking that time, you know, whether it's whether it's uh, taking a bath or reading a book, exercising, whatever it is, you know, take that time to 
collect your things together to get yourself as a whole and ready for the next day. Because if you're not a whole and you're broken apart, how are you supposed to help anybody else? So especially if you're a leader, you know, really take that time, get that self-care so that way you can assist your soldiers and uh, whoever else may be. Well, again, appreciate you guys having the the mental fortitude to come on and and talk about the things that you talked about. I think, Chaplain, you, you said it, you know, spot on. You know, we're taking this head on. We want to create a culture where it's okay to seek help. Um, it's okay to talk to each other about it and, uh, you know, utilize the resources that we are putting into place to make sure that you get back where you need to be. Uh, you get the help that you need so that you can continue to live your best life. And uh, we're going to do that by reaching out, you know, reaching one, reaching many, I would say, and truly caring for each other. Dragoons, everybody goes through things in their life. Life is not always easy. It would be ridiculous to think that we can just continuously just trug along and just brush off the turmoil and maybe sometimes the the hopelessness that we face uh, just going through. As you heard in this podcast, it's okay to seek help. I encourage you to seek help. Please reach out if you're struggling. Uh, if you don't and you're not yourself, then reach out to somebody else and see how they're doing. Check up on them and be there for each other because... This is a very, very complicated problem. There's a lot of different ways that we can try to to get after it. But if we're not caring and compassionate for one another, we will never, ever have the results that we want to have, which is no one dies. No one takes their own life. So again, I thank you both for coming on the podcast and uh, helping uh, kind of get awareness about this. But more importantly, how are we going to work together to solve this very, very complex problem? This is Jagoon7 signing off the net.